it's so good. Like we had that Korean army stew the other day. Oh, yeah. Budae jjigae. Uh, Booty jiggle, baby. It's so good. <laughs> Do you want to say what's in budae jjigae? Budae jjigae, it's like this Korean stew that has anything from like spam to just sausage. And then you put some kimchi in there and green onions. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Chris and Clint. You may know Clint from such bands as the Illini Contraband, and mm-hmm. he was a member of The Hideout. Chris performs under the solo act Curry Ken, Curry Ken. and also was a member of Hideout and served as the president. No, no, no. And Retired. the band that we're going to be talking about today is Moonside. So, welcome to, to the show. <laughs> Shout let out me to try that one more time. <laughs> so, uh, let me do that, or you could do that. Are you guys again, okay but, with a, Are yeah. you okay with us interrupting? Like no, that? that's fine. All right, that's fine. All right, sorry, I, I mean, it's it's all the vibe. Whatever the show wants, the okay. show gets. So uh, I'll just try this though for a dry run. Chris and Clint, welcome to the show. Hi, friend. Hello, hello. Thank you for having Thank us. Yeah. yeah. Today we're going to be listening to your song, Ek which was released as a single. Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Let's do it. Let's do it. Say 
Welcome back. So my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or the lyrics? So in this case, it was probably the lyrics. So Ikea has like an interesting backstory. I don't, I don't know if it's interesting, but there's like a YouTube beat that has like a MIDI band playing. I think the guitar is the only real instrument, but it was just like from this lo-fi channel at the time. So, so Kudi Ken, that's how a lot of my solo art is, is just like, I'll find like a beat online or something that I really like. And I, uh, there's just like music and lyrics come to my head. Typically for me, it's melodies in my head and like the flow or the rhythm of the words. And then the words kind of come to it based on how I feel like during this the songwriting process. So then I wrote this whole song with this structure to this like YouTube beat. And then I met Clint through Hideout, formerly known as Hip Hop Collective, or probably still known as. I don't know. There's a name change kind of thing there that's happening. I don't know how we started doing it with Ike. Like, I think yeah you you would come up with a yeah. different chord structure like pretty quickly. Yeah, I just remember because it was super cool because I think... The origins of that song, a lot of it, and I think with like our band, a lot of it kind of stems from kind of this like revival of music, music, music back at, to U of I. Because yep. at that point, like Chris and I, we met through the Hip Hop Collective and it was still, I think it was the first semester back from during like the pandemic. All the classes were online. It was the only thing that you could see people was in this Hip Hop Collective. Ah. And that was super, <laughs> you know, we, for me wait, at did that- did we break the rules? No, it was because <laughs> I, I, it was as long as you know. At that time, there was only Rudolph, shout out, and like maybe three other people, and, and one of the other people was Chris. And I remember just like that being the only class that mm -hmm. you could see people, and that was super big. Having like music, yeah. like having to play with people, it was like, hey, so Chris has this one song, and then it's like, why don't we try doing live instrumentation on that? I remember I learned it and I sent it. And we put it in like our little group chat and then people started putting in their own things to it. But mm -hmm. I think at the same time, I think then I was just like messing around with some chords. And at that time I was listening to like a lot of... Everlong? <laughs> <laughs> I, right? I was listening to like a lot of, and I still do like city pop, like Japanese 80s uh -huh. music. And one specific artist is like... Shut up, Matt. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, is Tatsuro Yamashita. And like he has this one song called Sparkle. And the sparkle, it starts off with this one chord. It's just such a, like the very first second of the song, you just hear this guitar. And I was thinking like, oh man, like I kind of like that chord. How about I like move it down the fret? I started just like messing with that chord. And then there's definitely some mixtures of the original song that you wrote lyrics to in terms of like, okay, I kind of like that vibe. How can I incorporate that with this beginning chord that I first heard so one of the questions i feel like i have to ask this but now i think i understand why did you pick g flat as the key <laughs> and then when you said you moved it down to fret i was like oh okay there yeah. I, see, I see it yeah wait is that is g flat weird so I, my background no guitar whatsoever so is that like a weird chord to play yeah. or it's not a weird chord to play per se but it's like in that key if you had a pianist they would probably be super mad at you because of the whole all the flats in yeah. that key so it's like it's as <laughs> i can't remember how many flats and somebody please at me or something uh. but i think it's almost as flats as you could have so about mm. like seven flats or something so when you have to read something in g flat right. it, it tends to be a little funky but mm -hmm. since the ear's not used to hearing that key i think that sometimes that makes it stand out mm. and i don't know if that's you know, I, I try to think of how people use keys to demonstrate kind of an emotional right. thing. And maybe that change kind of fits with it's, the yeah. off-kilter 
like concept of this song. Well, I'm assuming <laughs> I've made some assumptions in terms of what right. this song is talking about. But oh, I love it to felt hear. There's something that is super frenetic about this song because of mainly the verses. The words come at you so fast that sometimes you don't necessarily understand, understand them. <laughs> but the thing is, is like when words come out like that, then you start paying attention to the rhythm and the overall emotion that's coming through. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like listening to something in a different language because then you, you well, I mean, <laughs> I do say I do say Japanese like words. In yeah, too, so. um, which which I successfully translated. But anyway, All right. um, <laughs> I, well, hopefully I successfully, you know, there, uh, I, I think I've only half Japanese, so I might have fucked up. But. <laughs> was the original song that you were, can I say mimicking? Mm. Was, th- was that that like scale up? So it was like the G flat, the B flat minor, and then the mm. D flat. Was that, I mean, was that yeah. how the song was organized originally? Yeah, so or? it's funny because not, now that you mention it, it's at least with the city pop song, it's definitely in a very like it's a really happy song when i was first just playing that chord it's a major seven but and then just bringing it down i was like huh this this feels a little bit more moody yeah you know and i felt that i think that's maybe just in that moment just like instinctually is like okay i kind of like this and i think the the song that you originally wrote ek2 mm-hmm. i think that that chord progression was similar yeah but it felt I think a lot happier the bri- yeah, yeah it was a lot happier i think yeah. i think the bridge, re- I think the bridge remained is, mostly the same yeah the bridge but like is, everything else sounds like yours sounds a little bit more darker and a little more angsty right which especially I think fits. with the arpeggiated guitar in the beginning because mm. like that is like such an homage to actually both you know ever longer yeah ever longer, <laughs> and <laughs> and also yeah, the drums especially like yeah right right yeah yeah Huh. I remember Will when that was like one of the first things he did. Yeah, yeah like because yeah. I remember that moment where Chris and I we showed like the rest of the guys. It's like oh we had this one song, mm-hmm. and then like one of the first thing Will our drummer, super talented guy. What he does is Will like Penny. that sort of like the hi hat, and I was like ah yeah. Yes. I love how he does the kapu kapu kapu. Yeah, like, a, he's like corso. on his kick. That was something that I never like would have came up with. I felt like we released a, a version of the song where it's just guitar and me like before moonside the band was founded and then so maybe we had like a different direction of where like the whole band would come in but when you have nine people come in and kind of throw in what they're thinking it's just you get like a magical thing that's like super unique like i would have never thought of that but i thought it was really cool and it's like one of the coolest parts i think yeah it's interesting that you say a piano player would hate playing that because that's the song that doesn't have diego play yeah except for like a very faint like (laughs) rise of a synth and yeah he wants he, oh. he does like cinematic like yeah, synth stuff with yeah. it but huh. yeah i think it was mostly because there's like four guitars on that yeah. song already so it's like there's already really sonic yeah real estate already there so maybe we saved him some angst maybe but not i guess the easiest way to call it is that it's almost all of the black keys on mm-hmm. the keyboard and you know you've got i think there's c and f are going to be on the white keys mm-hmm. yes, but that sure. all the rest are going to be on the black keys mm-hmm. in in g G flat. Uh, well, you were saying that it, it had a very set, the end of the phrase, the chord progression, mm. you end on a B flat minor. Mm-hmm. So it, it has that, how is a minor, a minor song somehow sound happy, right? Mm. It's, it's, or, or yeah. uh, exciting. I, well, maybe I said that all wrong, but just think that that may be that moody part that you're thinking about because yeah. it descends back to that B flat minor. I think that that has that sad quality and it's in in your mind, you're expecting it to go back to that G flat mm. major. So instead, it feels unfulfilled. Mm, so maybe yeah. I think that that fits, I guess, fits with the song and oh, yeah. how yeah. I've no, interpreted yeah. it. But that's cool. Yeah, it's funny because I know that like Chris and I, 
one of the first things that I feel like that we connected on was just like our love for like anime <laughs> and specifically like anime Here we go, boys. Like music, you know, like one of our bands that we love to talk about and listen to is Asian Kung Fu Generation. It's funny that their music is so tied to like my childhood of watching mm. these shows growing up. A lot of openers. Yeah. yeah their songs that, you know, start off that show, you know, that you so attach so many feelings to specifically the way that a lot of these bands from Japan they incorporate this there's always like this kind of like extra sauce of like nostalgia or mm. some sort of like longing for something mm. and i think their choice of chords there and their interesting use of harmony but i think that's definitely a direction where you know when i was like playing the song is like all the chords are either like minor major sevens there you know and so it was kind of going away from something that's like a regular old rock song that has a bunch of power chords but something that there is something else there that it's right. not just straightforward. Let's jump into the lyrics a little bit because yeah. I think those also very much tied to this frenetic energy at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I almost want to say, when I say frenetic, I also mean kind of this overwhelming urgency. When me and Clint like came together during like pandemic and stuff, you know, you're holed up in shelter in place like your series and you're just like wanting to do something, right? There's an urgency that you... I just need to make music. Mm -hmm. I want to make music. Right. Like I have these ideas. And so like, you know, the people that went to hip hop collective were like those people that were super urgent, like, mm. or else like, if you don't have that urgency, you're probably going to be like, like sit at home and like, just trying to get by through these tough times. Right. But if you, if it's just killing you inside to like do this and like those people that were there was me, him and the other people were like Akil, who was like the founder of 404. And he was also a treasurer of hideout. And then Phil Cody, he was my vice president during the time that I Shout served out. as president. Like, I don't want to toot our own horns, but like, we we're instrumental in kind of like the revival of the scene when everybody was able to come back. Right. And just like a small part of it, but like our, our little part of it, you know? Yeah. I, I think there was a great sense of urgency. It's reflective of the time. Yeah. You know, saying. and I yeah. think there's just a lot of motion behind that. It's like you, you, you only get one you chance. Have so much like pent up. And I think for me personally, too, it was like my junior year when that first spring break happened that we didn't come back you know mm. and it was at least for me personally that i started to figure out where i wanted to be and who i wanted to be as like a person you know and that first two years took time mm. to kind of formulate my identity and stuff like that and so it felt like it was going on the up like we were uh, crescendoing to something and then when everything just got shut down it was like i felt like something was a like the, it was on the precipice of something, you know? Yeah. And so when we came back and I, I see Chris and all these musicians, I want to make up for the thing that I lost. Why call it EK? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the root of EK? Mm -hmm. We talked earlier before the interview and I said that I really couldn't find a decent <laughs> translation. So yeah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about like why it was named ek and then also why that's rallying cry i yeah. want to say yeah you know, um of this song you know what's interesting i i still don't know if i have like a concrete answer of where ike comes from in terms of like i was telling you it's like the japanese version of saying go and you're saying go to somebody as if like clint is racing and i'm like saying telling him like go go like ike ike <laughs> so it's not like just telling yourself like go or something it's like telling someone else i don't know if it's depersonalization is the right word i've been trying to analyze where is that coming from song itself i would say the melodic parts like i don't feel like finishing the way like that part 
and then the raps like becca hey what's up with the sidelong face those are like from two different parts of my psyche like one psyche is like very logical and sensible like i'm here as a graduate student doing a phd like it's like that side like you're here to do this academic stuff and you want to do it well you only get one chance you're gonna waste time on all this music and then the the singer guy is like i don't feel like finishing the <laughs> like i don't want to finish it like i, I want to do music you know and then it goes and obviously this is the music part so i would say the go is directed to the music person to say go like do this music thing but i wonder where it's coming from if we get into like psychology is there like a super ego that's telling the artist to do it and then just tell the logical guy to cool it and stay in his lane i don't know like where does that come from so right. yeah that's what ike means it means like telling someone else to go like a command but in terms of where it comes from i know it's directed to the artist person but i don't know where it's coming from mm. and so that's what's interesting it's something that i think when i first wrote it like that was probably the first like melody when i was listening to that beat i was like da, da. i was mm. like oh that's cool mm -hmm. and then like what can i do as like a word that would be like the two k's ike like in japanese when you pronounce it there's that pause ike right yeah. And I, I think I had that melody line in there and then that pronunciation kind of fit really well with it. And then everything else just kind of, you know, came together as I was writing about what was going on in my head, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'm still kind of processing it. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's the current state of analysis right now. I think the first verse kind of sums up that idea of what is your actual goal in life. And you use kind of the metaphor of fulfilling your dreams versus actually pursuing maybe even a career yeah. is you've made that analogous to putting a deposit in a bank, right? Mm, like mm. working very hard to put money away, mm. but really the way to fulfill a dream is to put that work into something other than putting money in the bank yeah and mm. um that that's just interesting i i was very curious about that and as as you described what was going through your head mm. I, it kind of i love how i start connecting the dots on yeah on so many of these lyrics there's some uh, other lyrics uh in untapped youth where i, I talk about the same thing yeah. it's interesting yeah it's like burn the check to earn his disrespect like uh you're getting the check is like a you know financially stable thing to do putting it in the bank as part of this song yeah it's interesting Sorry, I just thought I'd make that connection. Well, it, it, it's interesting. It kind of made a another weird connection. Like, between the three verses... Well, no, no there's two verses. My bad. But then... Matt kind Mac. of the... But then you've got the bridge, which also kind of functions like a, a third verse, but mm -hmm. it changes. So you know that it's, it's a transitional mm -hmm. part of the song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like that how the first verse seems like your own personal thoughts about your own life, mm -hmm. and then... The second verse seems like how people respond to you mm. because you're actually, you know, let's see, relax, get a back rub, bro. <laughs> um, it, kind of this idea of like, I can provide my own impetus for doing something, right? Like, mm. don't push something on me. As I said, like, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but mm. I, I find that the two verses have these, mm. it's you and then it's the world, right? Mm. So these two forces working in opposition so maybe you've got your id super ego and ego right yeah <laughs> but yeah like the world's kind of expectations on someone like typically you know chasing like a musical dream is like something to to somewhat scoff at like haha like that's very unlikely and we were talking mm. about it too but there's like a bunch of different avenues and careers just in music where i don't think that's necessarily the case but like the average consumer of music is going to listen to huge artists and so that's like what they're 
understanding of what making it as a musician is when it is unlikely like not everyone could be a justin bieber or something you know so like that second verse it kind of has that perspective i think when i was writing it it was still from that uh logical uh that's getting his education and stuff but that's also like formed from society's view on an artist trying to make it so right. yeah mm. that is cool let's talk a little bit about getting this song recorded and also <laughs> getting all of we the learned band how to members. do it the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, to get to get everybody on board. So at this point, you have lyrics and a guitar. Right. Mm-hmm. And then how did you bring in some of the other parts? One of the parts that stands... I mean, the drumming is great, mm-hmm. that it seems like the bass in this is a little underrated. Oh, because I feel yeah. like in, in that second... And I don't know why it, it stands out more in the second verse, but there's just that kind of like... Boom. everything's frenetic but then the bass is just like eh, we'll get around to it i i feel like that's like that voice is in there <laughs> and if you look at zuhair play he's just so like chill yeah it's that. funny you mentioned that's fun yeah. but you know it, i i just feel like it has this weird contrast going on and it's so i don't know i i wrote down i just said slick i, <laughs> I don't know there's just yeah. something where if you look at zuhair he has like a he has one of those smiles that it's like asymmetrical yeah. i'm sure that the ladies love but he's just like like he just plays like right, bass right. like this um, but yeah, yeah he's a slick guy. Oh man, getting it's cool. You can getting you know, parse out every, that yeah. personality from just right. listening to it. I think that, I think and he does this... like slides and stuff, like boom, right, right, Ba-da-doom. yeah, yeah. It's cool. I think getting everyone to get this song recorded. It's like it was, it was probably like <laughs> it was I, like a two. Wait, wait. Twenty twenty one fall was when like the song was like already made, right? And we didn't release it until May. Or March 2023. Yeah. So, a year and a half of like... Yeah, it was like a super long process because I think specifically... Because we have members in the band that, you know, have some experience with production and getting these things recorded. But at that time, it's like either some of us were back in Chicago or some of us were still down here. And so, it's like, how do we get all these parts mm-hmm. like recorded and everything, you know, working out? And then... Or it's like, how do do we... Do we record to a click right. and then layer everybody in, or do we try to do recording all at once? Uh, how the hell do we mix and master all right, that? All that stuff? like DIY aspect. Yeah, how of, do we like, find how the do time? We, right. Do we pay somebody to do it? Uh, do we get money? So and so, I remember just that when I first started, like just recording the guitar part this time and to a click rather than in like the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like okay, I'm just gonna send this idea through, and like there's still this like really like lo-fi version of like ek mm. where i remember matt added like an acoustic guitar and i was like oh this is super cool mm. you know and then th- that's probably as far as we got where we had some drums on it with will we had matt and i playing some guitar and then we also had zuhair with the bass mm. and then it kind of paused at that moment and then it's when we came back and then when we met jess part of hideout yeah and then just definitely he had a lot of that background and a lot of the equipment you know to get us to that next step it's like okay if we're gonna do this like we're gonna have to start from scratch and yeah. so with this song if it's gone through so many different phases where you know it started off with just a thing between chris and i mm-hmm. and then we would just play it at house shows and then it's like okay let's record this as a band because that was something that like chris and i always wanted to do and mm-hmm. i still remember that time where we were in the band room and it's just like i got to hear it with a full just sound i was like oh this is so sick Mm -hmm. and then so we come in and we meet jess at hideout and you know jess is super talented amazing guy Mm -hmm. and he drummer and producer yeah drummer and producer and he 
like at his uh house that he's staying he, you know it was chris uh that you and will and just met up and you recorded yeah so the that version he's talking about it had a lot of cool like feeling and vibe to it but the reality of it is there is just a lot of push and pull on it not everything has to be to a click but i don't think at that status it was just like too apparent mm. i think i wasn't the only one that thought it so we're like okay like we're missing something i think the way we built on that one was we had clint because he's the rhythm guitar right, right we had him record to the click as best as possible but it wasn't to the click and then we built it up on top of that but then we're like ah it's still kind of pushing and pulling really bad we might just have to start all over will at the time he was our drummer that played that ek song he was in costa rica and so like we didn't have anybody to like rebuild on it so right. we recruited jess as part of it because he was a drummer he was a good friend from hideout and he had experience recording different bands and then like he had a whole different processes that has worked for him and, and those bands in the past and we could definitely learn from so what we decided to do is get will to record the drums uh, to a click track and then we would build from there right. and so that that's what happened and we started the three drummers <laughs> I'm, I'm like third string drummer we started with will and then i think we built uh, you next and then everybody else on top of it yeah so by then it was like okay that's when we finally that was like found, after a year yeah think, like finding a like process yeah. i think huh. it's it's i think that's a thing that's tough it's like finding a thing that works for you and the people involved in the band it probably worked because some of us are scattered like you're you're primarily in chicago and right. will is primarily in champagne right right so it's like okay if we get this like to a click then clint can listen to this and put it in his daw to the same click and then do, do all the like self-editing and retakes everything that he needs mm -hmm. to do perfectly then he can set it into jess and then me for like vocals as well because i'm very particular i have like my own like mix master chain for the vocals and get rid of the breaths and like mouth noises and get my favorite <laughs> takes you know that might have been like the best way to do it just centralized to a click like that but, mm. huh. there are some songs that aren't to a click but that's how we do it yeah i mean sometimes breaths are pretty cool oh song, for so sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I do like vocal cord breaths on like, <gasps> like, and I was like, okay, man, like, yeah, let's cool that one down a little bit. I wrote down that I had to mention this one because there's one part in the song that I didn't necessarily, in reading it, in listening to it, I didn't necessarily understand it exactly. <laughs> so, right. but the thing is, when that happens, you can also, you know, default back to what is the emotion, like, you don't necessarily understand it, but you feel it. So, mm. I appreciate that i guess characteristic of it and it's the section in the i'm gonna say in the second verse okay. where it says so show me your neck i'll show you a choke yeah and then fuza ken na yeah fuza and, ken na. Oh, yeah and yeah. it's it very anime that type. too do not be silly oh um yeah yeah, yeah. you okay. gotta be kidding me uh, oh, okay okay yeah, yeah. well i yeah i'm sure that's like the little i i probably took the literal translation and then die i'm curious where that set of lyrics came yeah, from i always felt that that specific lyric kind of came from like the what's up like you know when you wear your gi and stuff like that yeah 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 so i do i do brazilian jiu-jitsu so i do a lot of choking uh in my free time but um <laughs> it's like from the second verse it's uh back up well relax get a backup bro on the real finna go play shows throughout all we've grown man we already close it's like uh the phd guy is saying to the musician like whoa like relax you're doing all this stuff you're playing shows you're gonna throw out what we've done so far in school and it's like sleepwalk come with us to the bullshit we're supposed to devote to the pull on the rope so it's like you're going through life sleepwalking you're comatose at all of its bullshit and we're supposed to devote it to this bullshit leading up to the line where you're saying like 
I think the logical guy is saying to the artist guy, or at least this is what the artist guy interprets it as, show me your neck and like I'll show you like a choke, like just like a friendly yeah. thing, like, oh, but he's actually like going to choke you out and like you're going to die. And so the artist kind of picks up on that, like saying, oh, you're going to like Fusaka now, you got to be kidding me. Like, mm. I'm not going to show you my neck and then die is like, you're going to choke me out if I show you my neck. I'm going to die. Like, that's it. And then you get your way. And then it goes to, I don't feel like it. That's how I've like been able to parse it out. Yeah. And I love doing that part live because I'll mm. be like, so show me a neck. I'll show you a choke. Yeah. Right, yeah. You I do like that doing gesture. that. Yeah. 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 And That's it's like, nice. I, I like scream it out and like it goes into the, and then die. Like you yeah, can scream yeah. it out and like just have fun. So I hope I didn't confuse you. I don't know. I think in my mind, I thought of it as kind of a crossroads. Like mm. you, you're making a choice at, at that point and really if we want to look at dying in a metaphorical way mm. as well as like you get this weird balance right where it's like either your career dies or your dreams die right yeah. so it's it's this back and forth and so i kind of thought well the the die in that and then die it wasn't necessarily like you had a choice you mm. had something's going to die yeah it's that's the choice right it's mm. either either the career or the dreams die yeah so i that, that was what my interpretation is like this you're fight, kind of fighting yourself in yeah. a way and that's but the in whole the song, end and it's still happening <laughs> to this day by right the way. <laughs> yeah that was kind of my emotional interpretation of it and i think as you describe it i feel like kind of validated but it, i yeah. i didn't understand the you know the What's, nature of that you also yeah. practice uh did you say jujitsu jujitsu yeah, Jiu -jitsu. yeah, yeah. Ugh, of course i'm gonna say that wrong <laughs> i mean i've i've said it before and now i can't say yeah we're not we're, yeah but, we're not throwing easy words at you so. <laughs> but uh i guess the jujitsu detail might not be so important uh, it might be why I, I was trying to think if i did jujitsu back in the day i think i did when we wrote it yeah yeah because i was running around in the gi yeah yeah hmm. so that, that might have been just like accidental because i it's kind of like tying a noose or something right. you know pulling mm -hmm. the rope like pulling the rope that's around the neck right, right. so let me just put it around your neck and i'll mm. show you a choke mm. it's like oh but i'm gonna die if you do that right like I, that's why i can't really split the verses like i i, I told oh, you yeah. before like oh the verses are kind of from the logical guy's point of view but in that exchange there it's like back and forth it's like huh. logical artist guy, logical artist guy. Right, yeah. Huh. So show me a neck, I'll show you a Right, like you see yeah, like one persona in one verse, yeah. the second persona in the other. Or, and then yeah, they and then sometimes they like yeah, right. intermingle. No, and, and it's confusing not only for me, but for listeners. I think it's worth mentioning too that it's funny, Sven, because we actually recorded like a music video for EK really early on. Yeah, like the whole premise of it was we were doing like a one shot. Yeah. And like Chris, he was fully decked out in like his lab scrubs. It was a, it was a clean room bunny suit. Yeah. So that's and, what I do in my PhD. And yeah. so like the whole, you know, that sort of duality, you know, and I think that's exactly that feeling that the song's trying to give out is that. It was the artist guy running, I think. Right. Yeah. Running away huh. from it. Right. And so, you know, we still have footage of it, but it starts off where, what's that area called? I think it's St. Mary's Road or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, you know, you're familiar? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah we we yeah, made yeah. a joke. It's like, hey, when we make it big, we're going to make it called EK Road. <laughs> yeah, EK Street. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it. we just like, we're next to like a fence and we found like this gravel alley. And then it's like, I was, the shot starts off with me and I'm just like doing the intro guitar. And then all of a sudden... I zooms out and then you see Chris just running like sprinting, like just like uh -huh. and then the the shot pans with him and like we, so we got had a friend like driving yeah him. so it was like this whole logistical thing because it's like at the end though I'm at the end of the the, the last shot 
and uh, so we had two were, cars yeah we had two cars one yeah. car who has like the camera who's doing this tracking shot and then me who would then like get in my car and just like speed ahead of the camera car and get to my position at the end and yeah. While at he's, the end, there was a there was a guy from my jujitsu gym, right? Who I'm wrestling during the guitar solos, right? Right? Yeah, yeah it was and, interesting. And Chris, what was uh, what were you doing as you were running? What was I doing? Uh huh. In the very beginning, because you're wearing, I was wearing a gi. Yeah, yeah, a jujitsu gi. Before that, with the the, the clean outfit, the, the clean room. What was I doing besides running? Because there was a moment in that shot where you start taking it off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm taking and it And I yeah. always thought that was super cool to see is that mm. you see this with motion, you see this action, this physical representation of like you're taking something off. Yeah. And then... And like I have a backpack on, I throw it off too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of that sort of like different identities that Chris is showing and that throughout the song that he's starting to strip those things away. Mm. And at the end that you see Chris. Yeah. Well, uh, well, he... he tires from exhaustion <laughs> yeah the amount of times that we shot that and just oh like, my god i'm dude. so dead the first one i was dead yeah i ran way too fast yeah yeah that was <laughs> and then like one time i was taking off the clean room suit and i couldn't get it off and i tripped and then we had to, yeah, like, and start the, over. The, the car just goes away and then we're like wait chris <laughs> yeah, yeah wait come back it was oh. funny shout out to box out and Weiwa. he's my lab mate actually he was helping me shoot that and anyways yeah, yeah. fun times that sounds and awesome. Helsin, Helsin, yeah. Any chance that this will come about or no? We've used it in pre uh, promo material yeah. for the new oh. one, but for the, we haven't... For maybe. the Spotify, the, what's it called? The Canvas? Or the Spotify? Yeah, the Spotify Canvas. Yeah, so like when you click on EK and you just look at the song, that video that plays, it's ah. like a compilation of like us performing it live here in Champaign-Urbana, but also there's like a clip that is that opening shot of me just sitting. And it was a really beautiful day too, which was ah. pretty cool, but... Yeah, I think we. I think it'd be really nice that someday we could kind of just like at least show that. At yeah, least the thing is, I'm way. supposed to be editing it, but I'm fucking like. There's a lot of other things to focus on, I guess. One of the questions I like to ask is, and I guess I'll I'll start with Clint first. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite part of the song? I think I like just the beginning, and I, I really like when the guitar the arpeggiated guitar comes into. I think it's like really personal to me because I just remember just. You know, pick out my guitar and it's like, okay, what would be like a good rhythm for this? And so that intro part, whenever I hear it, I just think about the whole story of the song, you know, from where I was at that time in my life and then to where we are today, you huh. know, and it started off with just two people. Then, you know, at this point, we're like have like nine members in our band, you know, kind in different capacities. Up, yeah. Not only is it the intro of that song, but it feels like the beginning of that, of like our story as a band. So, Chris, yeah. what is your favorite part of the song? I love the sing-along parts. So, I think it's the pre-choruses and the choruses. Like the, I don't feel like finishing yeah. the back. Like, when we play that live, that's when people sing. And yeah. it's like, so it's goosebumps. Like, Or yeah. if like we're at Ryan's birthday party and we put it on and then like people knew the words. Yeah. And they were singing hmm. Ike. Yeah, those, those so moments cool. are super special. It's like, because those moments feel... I think as a like... performer, that's what I love the most about live shows in general is... I love it when you like teach the crowd something or if they know it like even better and they sing along with you. I think that's awesome. Mm. Right. It feels Everybody's like, like it's like a collective emotional release. You know, there's like, at least for me, it's like, so whenever I'm playing that song, it's just like, I'm feeling so cathartic releasing all this like tension and mm -hmm. you know, that feeling just gets, you yeah. know, during those choruses, it's like, ah, you know. And of course my favorite and final question. Um, What's your favorite part of the songs, man? 
Uh, well, usually I, I like. Well, Sorry. I was. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that's fine. That's fair. I was just. I was just going for time here, but. Um, oh, no, usually I do say it like my favorite, but honestly, I was going to say the first verse definitely speaks to me in terms of just you know even if we're going to go from a capitalist viewpoint of mm-hmm. of life, it's like why do we work for so many years just to save up money just so we can finally do the thing that we want to do mm-hmm. as somebody who's you know been working for. 23 years at the yep. university that's certainly not to say that i don't enjoy the work that i do but mm. it's it's also like you know i know that i can't edit the podcast or work on the podcast mm. when i'm at work mm-hmm. so why you know so i i appreciate the idea of just questioning that i guess is, right. is what i was thinking my final question is why did you pick this song as the song you wanted to talk about today in terms of like the leaders of the band i think it starts with us too mm, it might right. shift now that base of operations is going to chicago mostly yeah the whole start of the band was this song right yeah i'm sure you have an answer too yeah i feel like it's the song that just started everything mm-hmm. you know it's the song that you know first connected me to a lot of these members specifically chris mm. it's got the longest sort of history with all of us and it's our closer yeah it's our closer it's definitely it's a song that I think most of the people in Champagne know, right? As well, too. Yeah, yeah. So people it, in Brazil might know High Tide more, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, Ike is more familiar. Yeah, it's just got a lot of history, a lot of a lot yeah. of great memories using that song. Mm. Shout out the other band members: William Penny on drums, we got yeah. Zuhair Ali on bass, Diego on the <laughs> Diego Orellana on the yeah. cinematic sense. Matt Mack on uh, guitar. Ryan Martin on the second solo. On guitar, yeah. Are we missing anybody else? Jess, Jess on the production. Amazing yeah. production. Yeah, Dia yeah. for the art. Yeah, Dia for the art. You know, when you're able to sort of have these moments when you could communicate about like something, you find insights about it that yeah, up new until today, right? like, yeah, like I yeah. never really thought, like I love something like that, you pointed out to that specific lyric about the idea about putting like money in a bank, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that a lot of our band members now that they're Working, getting into this new transition bag. in their life that they're going to these quote-unquote jobs and that Jordan. it's this duality that you feel you know it's like do you have to sacrifice one for the other right it makes me think just like a lot of the feelings that i feel like they're in the song and it just takes time for you to kind of like break it down and be like oh yeah like how like subconsciously these things could come out through music, specifically Mm. art, you know? Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe 
at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Clint, what is your favorite Champagne Urbana venue? I think there's like one would probably be the biggest venue that we played at was at Canopy. And that was in like collaboration with one of the RSOs on campus. It was Girls Next Door Acapella Group. Shout out GND. And yeah, shout out GND. And we were like their backing band. So they do this performance twice a year, first semester and second semester, where all the singers, they have songs that they choose. It's just this list of like 20 plus songs. Yeah. And Acapella we got with a backing band. Yeah, we got this uh, connection through long history of Illini Contraband, which. You know, that band has a long history at, at U of I that it's really cool when I remember the first time that I got access to like the photos of this band that it stems all the way back to like the mid 2000s. I was like, oh my gosh, like these people that from there have, you know, we've passed on that torch. And so like playing at Canopy Club was super cool because it's like, okay, this is like a venue that a lot of people on campus know. And also it's like the biggest one in terms of like mm. the size. So that one was always really fun. And then having a moment for us to spotlight our band during like the little intermission section was super cool. So was this in like the big, the big room? Yeah, the big room. Yeah. And so that was super fun. Just like, I remember Will, our drummer, his dad saw, it was like Red Hot Chili Peppers and also Smashing Pumpkins there. Mm -hmm. I remember he was just telling me about that. I was like, dang. So like, we're playing on the same stage as them. Yeah. So it was a really fun time doing that, especially because the crunch of they would send us these songs and we would just need to get down straight to it memorizing or at least charting all these songs out and it was like yeah a lot of work but the payoff was a lot of fun i feel like one though that like sentimentally it is like the 404 house yeah yeah the 404 house the crazy thing is i remember one of the first times i ever went to a house show in like you know the music scene here I remember coming, like walking down these stairs and just like, what is this? And then I later found out that that first house show I ever went to, it was the same house as 404. It was? Yeah. Really? And I was just like, whoa, this is insane. Mm. And I remember just thinking like, oh man, this would be super cool to do someday. And so, you know, the 404 house was the very first gig that we had, Mm. you know? That was a house show. Mm-hmm. So that place has a very special place for me. It was like one of the first shows post-COVID too. So there's a lot, all the students that wanted to like get out and listen. Like some of these people, I guess your classes included, like half of your college career was with right. the pandemic. Right. So mm-hmm. they didn't really have opportunities to go out and party. And so when that finally opended up, like those first couple house shows, 404's first one, and then like the others that were kind of more established, like right. Waluigi's Mansion, that semester was just like crazy. Yeah, popping. Yeah. yeah I remember just... like some people from the scene previously were worried that the house show scene would die, like it was on oh. its way out. But then it exploded again. So that was oh. really cool. So Chris, yeah. what is your favorite? Yeah, I think champagne. I have to say the 404 house, just because like my close friends, Akil and like Tom and... Jordan, other Jordan, like they all, that all lived in that house. Like I was just there from the get go uh, as like, I wouldn't say like a founder cause I did not do a lot of the work. <laughs> like we needed like a PA system and I helped pitch in for that. We got it paid back and then uh, we got Sam, he does graffiti. So he like, he spray painted the place down there as like his own like logo. Uh, Akil who runs the 404 house, he uses it as like a venue to obviously get the bands with more pull to like play as closers. But a lot of the 
artists that he feels like deserves a spotlight to like play like openers and stuff and a lot of them are people and from hideout that are like kind of standouts that he wants to like shine so i just love seeing it as like my friends who like haven't really played shows before they get to like shine at like a venue and then i get to experience like these awesome musicians that are like top of the scene i'd say that play in this house show that I got to see what it looked like before. I remember like it was like dirty and and after the first show like we all got sick so we oh wonder if it was gosh. like like a mold problem or something uh, so uh. we like had to like get it cleaned up and like yeah. dehumidify the place and like so it was just cool that we got to like see it build it up and uh, Akil has like a great like artistic mind and uh, marketing and promo material so I just love that house show scene. I think that's probably my favorite venue. There's a lot of cool venues here. I think Rose Bowl is, is a cool venue. Oh, yeah. Rose definitely. Bowl Tavern. We haven't got to play outside, but uh, just the fact mm. of an outdoor venue, I think, would well, be really fun. we did that one time in front of Wesley on Green Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Joe's. Yeah, we did yeah. it at Joe's, or, too. Also, the quad. Yeah, the quad yeah, would the be quad, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or no, you remember Quad Day? Where, like, the beginning started? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. we played yeah. Quad Day, and we bummed a table and everything. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, yeah. That's that fun. story is, yeah. Yeah, but I would I'd probably <laughs> say that my favorite is a 404 House. Yeah. Chris... What do you think makes a good music scene? Hmm. Uh, I guess the music comes first, but like, so good music would be great. But then I think something that's very important is community, helping each other out, you know, coordination with the bands like, oh, we're going to bring like the drum set here, like bring your breakables and like sharing. I've seen stuff like Waluigi's Mansion's last show. It's one of the band's guitar E string broke, like the low E string, which is like, I guess, rare. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like oh, i didn't bring a replacement e-string and like one of the other bands like don't worry bro you can use my guitar and stuff mm-hmm. like that also house show venues coordinating with each other like hey we want to have this big show on this weekend like it's our last show it might pull the whole scene to to there so like coordinate shows in a way that's best for the venues but also like for the people like so they don't have to like split the audience basically which i guess there might be like some politics from time to time but if everybody was kind of friends with each other that communication would probably happen more you know so it happens sometimes but yeah i think community is probably very important to a good uh scene how do you see maybe getting and and you know clinton you can probably get this question too is Mm -hmm. like how do you see the the camp it's like there's the campus scene and then there's like the champagne urbana right like towny maybe scene yeah sometimes they overlap and when they overlap it's really amazing but Mm -hmm. i just there always seems to be a gap in between and yeah you know so i don't know if the question is in there but how do you see that working or bridging yeah how do you yeah i i'm curious i i think i'm mostly on like the campus scene part of it and maybe i can still make more of an effort but perhaps my time here is dwindling down but we'll see I just wanted to add before I go go to there uh, with with community, uh, you also just get cool things that people couldn't do on their own just because they have different specialties. I just wanted to highlight that like you have some people that are really good at like throwing shows and maybe mixing, mastering, or making posters or merchandising stuff, and then mm-hmm. you have some people that are like you know good at other stuff. And you can't have one person that's good at everything. So community would help really there. But in terms of your question of bridging the two, how would it work? I still haven't gone to one of these, but I know they have, at least in the hip hop scene, like a, they've done like campus versus city, like ciphers in the past. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever like contentious. Like I don't, I've never heard of anybody like breaking out in fights. Like right. it's usually like, oh, that was dope. You know, like let's, let's work on stuff. It'll just take like both kind of scenes to just reach out to each other and, and maybe collaborate more like, I see, for example, like Hideout 
It's a lot of campus people, of course. It's an RSO. But a lot of the people also kind of bridge with this other kind of hip hop group that's, I think, started up in the last couple of years called Half House Studios. From what I can see, it's a very similar vibe. I think、mm. both groups would like gel well together. We just have like kind of reach out and like maybe just like put some effort in there. But yeah, we just haven't done it yet. Hey, Chris, what about that, the Hip Hop Express, that bus? Yeah, the Hip Hop Express is super cool. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's been mentioned that I, I haven't done the extra. Like research、Homework? on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the marketing isn't the best either, but like、uh, Dr. Patterson's doing the thing. It's basically like a studio on wheels. I think Junie might have talked about it. Yeah. 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 So, William Patterson is a professor on, on campus. He serves as hip hop collective's advisor. He also has like hip hop entrepreneurship class. It's all just talking about the cultural wealth of hip hop and how we all love it and celebrate it. How a lot of the genre's pioneers, like in the beginning, like Grandmaster Flash and stuff, these guys were like technological geniuses who innovated the game. By using technology, and he just wants to like highlight that. Like, he, he, he has like a series called like Ghetto Geniuses, the root of hip hop, and like it's like rooted in technology. And so he just wants to make sure that that messaging is hit home to these communities, you know, typically that are poorer, typically minority based, and like in hip hop's case, like the American black youth, to not like discourage them from STEM or technology or anything. It's like, no, it's rooted in the culture. Like, it's how it started. It's because these young black boys in the ghetto. Were so dope with the technology, they were able to make something that everybody loves. So, what he's trying to do is bring the cultural wealth of UIUC, which is a crazily stacked STEM university, like electrical engineering and computer science is consistently top five in the nation. That's like MIT, Harvard, and like UIUC. It's like all up there, right? Like, we've, have, we've had founders of like PayPal and YouTube that have done their time here. Freaking the LED guy, Holinyak,、mm-hmm. the building that I work in. The LED was like founded by that guy, you know? Like, so that's crazy. The fact that there's a disparity between this college and like the town around it. And it kind of talks about the music scene too. There's a disparity there. It shouldn't happen, right? If everything's working correctly. So his thing about the bus is to, well, let's just bring that technology, that cultural wealth of the UIUC,、uh, technologically speaking, and bring it out to the rest of the city and just do it in a scrappy way. Like, we're going to put it all on a bus and we're going to bring it to the, like, the hood. Mm. And we're gonna let like kids come through. And he's told me, like, when he goes to the hood sometimes, like, like they hear gunfire and stuff and they have to like roll up and stuff. It's crazy. That's like what he's doing. And it's a super dope thing. And Hideout, like, we're collaborating with him and we're trying to build that relationship more and more so we can kind of serve as mentors. Typically, we partner with the Boys and Girls Club at Don Moyer, which is like right outside of campus, actually. It's very close. And like all of our proceeds from Hideout go to. That program. Programs like that, perhaps, that's more of like a youth outreach, I would say, though.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's more of like we, we want to you know, keep the kids out of trouble. So,、mm-hmm. like, the way you do that is intervene early. It's, it's hard. He talks about like once they have like driver's licenses and stuff、mm-hmm. and they're independent, it's like it's really hard to get them out of there. So, it's, it's more of a youth thing. Whereas the question, I think, is more so, well, well maybe that, that does, yeah, if, if, you, if the city's youth has a good relationship with the city's university. So, yeah, that might be a good point. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's like investing in the future. But I guess also, I would just hope that more people, like in, in the now, can do it. And I, I think it's possible. You just need to, you know, make that effort to, to reach out. So, Clint, what do you think makes a good music community? I feel like you need to have just celebrating a whole bunch of different varieties of people, really. You know, I think that's like a huge benefit is that when you have, you know, these different genres being showcased or people that, Might be doing something that's just a little different.、Mm-hmm. You know, I think because there's always something 
where if someone sees something, it might connect with them in a level that like they don't usually see it, you know? And so when you have this variety of people, variety of musicians that you see that sometimes that some of that might strike something deep inside you. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you have like a spectrum of all these great musicians that one of them is bound to connect with someone, I feel like that's a huge thing. Like you were saying, Chris, about like the music obviously has to be great. And you also need this sort of diversity of music. You know what? Uh, sorry if I'm interrupting you, but I think it would also be cool. It kind of goes with that is inclusivity. A lot of what I've seen in the house show scene and, and open mics and stuff is like people encouraging people to just do it. A lot of them are like first time performers. And if you've ever performed before, like sometimes you'll not do very well. But like the best thing that a crowd could do is like cheer for you if you're struggling. Right. You know, instead of like boo you off stage or something if you bomb. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that inclusivity is very important as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that scene, that music scene that, you know, you were talking about is that, you know, you have the local town and then we also have the campus. It's like connecting it. I feel like for our band, the only time that we've, I guess, like reached outside of just the campus was performing at Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that was the only time that I saw not just students, you know? Mm -hmm. I thought that was a super cool thing because it's like, I think like people forget like there's a town here, you know? It's not just a college. It's not just a university. And like, this is people's homes, you know? And like a lot of great perspective from Will, who's from, you know, Tuscola. You know, we've had these long conversations about, you know, how the locals have viewed the university in one light and mm -hmm. kind of how it's not always been in the best light and that there's this sort of disconnect. I don't think it's it's fair. I don't think it's always the right thing to do when you feel like it's kind of like a siloed oasis that doesn't outreach to other parts, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The other thing is like, like getting that communications of the connections is that I think a lot of bands that play in campus that they might not realize that, you know, what are the other venues here? You know, how can you come into contact with people that isn't just, you know, just on college campuses like mm -hmm. U of I? Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Clint, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I feel like one just right off the top of the head is just watching anime. <laughs> watching anime is Shout really out fun. Shout all the weeb... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really am into just TV shows and movies. I've always dabbled in the arts, specifically like music guitar, but also in like filmmaking. I remember in high school, I was in a film club and I shot my very first film 
so bad. Where it was, can we uh, find it? Uh, you're, it's it was on YouTube. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, it's funny. It, I've always appreciate like the art form and having a sibling who's you know in that whole world of television currently. You know, working as an animator in California. That you know he's introduced me to a lot of great like movies. And you know, when you have a movie that it just speaks to you in a way, the same way that a song might, it just stays with you. And so I love watching movies. And recently, I was watching this series on Netflix called Beef, which I really、oh. enjoyed.、Mm. And also, one of my favorite directors is straight from Korea,、uh, director Bong Joon Ho, who came out with Parasite a couple years ago.、Mm. Um, but he's someone that his films are just amazing. And wait, is just, Parasite the anime? No, the、oh, okay. the Korean live action, or、okay. I guess just. Drama,、yeah. regular like regular movie. Yeah, no, regular movie.、No、wait,、animation. wait, but isn't there the the anime? There is the an、hand? anime one. Yeah, but it's not that. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's a different one. All right. But his ability to just genre bend is just awesome. Yeah.、Mm. I'm kind of curious. So, how do you feel about when an anime, originally anime, turns into a live action? Oh man.、Uh, it. I. I. I don't know. I. The、yeah. only one I can think of off the top of my head, but my anime is limited. Is the Cowboy Bebop. Oh uh, yeah, change, and I love Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's it's your opinion, not yeah, mine. Yeah. No. I'm just curious how you feel about. Yeah. That. You know, I like Bebop. I feel like it, for a really long time that it just. I feel like in my case, whenever I see a live action, it's just like, oh my god, why? <laughs> Part of it is also because it's just they never capture the originality of the, like what made it great. You know, all the way from you know some some people might remember like the Dragon Ball Z. Live adaptation, oh yeah, and then to more recent one with like Death Note, and oftentimes it's like it's just a white person playing this Asian character, and it's、mm-hmm. like, ugh, like guys, like why, you know? And then you had something like Cowboy Bebop, the live action one on Netflix come in, and you have like John Cho playing a Spike, and I'm like, okay, okay, that's good, but then there's still like it's hard to capture that medium, specifically animation,、mm-hmm. where you're able to just. Anything's possible in yeah, the art form. Yeah, you're not quite limited by yeah, the laws of physics. Right. Yeah. There's a mood. There's like, there's a, a certain like feeling of grit to some of those shots in Cowboy Bebop, where you know, while watching like the Netflix show, it just it didn't have that same feeling,、mm. you know. Yeah. And so, you know, my overall feelings about live action like anime is just like ah man, like maybe it can be great, but it mostly, might it might be the technology. Like in general, I don't think there's like a lot of That might not be true. I was gonna、mm. say like 3D animation, but there's like di- like Disney movies and shit that、right. do that. Like if you're able to get a really good like sense of 3D animation and do all the like crazy shit you could do、right. in 2D animation,、uh, and then like port that with CGI or whatever with like actual live action.、Uh, examples I can think of is like like Paddington's a great movie in、Padding. my opinion. Like, is that, that like the bear? Yeah,、or? it's a bear,、oh, okay. and it's、Absolutely. like、okay. like the main character is this like computer like generated CGI like. Bear, but it's like such a great story, and the you know that like there was Tintin a while ago,、mm-hmm. and in like Japan there's like Lupin, who they、mm-hmm. made into like a CGI version, and you know those things like was it, it good? Uh, yeah, overall、okay. it was good. Yeah. Right, and so、right. when it comes to just the live action, it's just it's tough. Yeah, because I feel like also with like anime, like they they really、um, magnify these things that it's like wow, like it just they re- like they just give it like a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. What what do they magnify? I mean, just <laughs> what exactly? I love how I love when to, when I have two guests, they always start to interview each other. I don't know why that is.、Uh, I want to put them in the hot seat. No,、nah, it, it's like 
one thing it's funny though because it's you have something like the the newest cyberpunk anime that came out on uh-huh. netflix and how you know cyberpunk like a lot of that comes from you know just blade runner you know mm. And so how like that in that sense started off as like a live action and then an anime adaptation. It's weird that you can see that as a flip-flop, but the other way around, it's usually the results aren't as great. Mm-hmm. Like if it starts off as an anime and then goes into live action. Well, and I also think that some of the conventions that are used in anime, if you tried to do that in live action, you would think that it was the dumbest thing in the world. Mm. I don't I, I'm just trying to picture some of the... I don't know. Sometimes they'll show frustration or like surprise or upset or something, and it's like the little right. teardrop shows up right. on, on their forehead or nearby. I or can't remember. Sh- yeah, the vein. But yeah, but I feel like if you were to do that in live action, it would you'd be like, that's just dumb. Like it right. wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. So I, I guess I, I, I wonder, was just thinking. I never watched, but like when you said that, it made me think of like Scott Pilgrim, for example. Yeah, like, oh. I didn't. Yeah, I never actually... got to watch that. So. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an opinion. I, I would say that's an exception of like... You think they do it well? Like that... Yeah. Cause but they have to be like... They can't take themselves the seriously editing. though. Right. In that sense, right? Like they... Well, I think with that movie too, like the director, Edgar Wright, like his ability to edit and his shots are just so playful and just not traditional in that sense. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you have a scene where uh, someone's on the phone, you know? And the next thing, the person picks it up. It's like a next day. It's like, hello, you know? Yeah. And it's just like the way that he cuts it, It's there's a playfulness in it that, you know, I think it's... Huh. So maybe like yeah. an, a super serious anime might not be good for that yet. But like something like JoJo might have like a good... Uh-huh. Like if they could just go really ridiculous. Yeah. And like not take <laughs> themselves seriously. Yeah. Maybe, it would, maybe it would port well. But yeah. I don't know. Because Cowboy Bebop is kind of like serious and mm. thought provoking, right? Yeah. And like very smooth. Yeah. But if anything is whack or corny, it throws off the whole vibe, you know? Right. So, there is a One Piece live action that they're making, I wonder. Because One Piece is goofy as fuck. Like, yeah. I love One Piece. So, yeah. maybe it'll be good, but I don't know. Chris, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? Ah, oh, man. Yeah, Chris, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll just stick to things instead of, like, mushy-gushy stuff. Because I was like, oh, family. But, like... <laughs> probably your family's probably listening to this oh, so be maybe very, no yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll maybe i'll say a little bit i just i do love the aspect of like a family or like friend gathering and like eating like meals mm. oh it's so good like we had that korean army stew the other day oh, yeah get booty jiggle baby it's so good <laughs> do you want to say what's in it's like this korean stew that has anything from like spam to just sausage and then you put some kimchi in there and green onions and I think like the, the history of it was originally like when american troops were in korea that they brought a lot of these like ingredients from the u.s and uh-huh. so like what the koreans the locals did is like hey let's like stew this up into something mm-hmm. people refer to it as like army stew mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's it's a really great and like the other day uh we all gathered after a gig right yeah after yeah. a gig we all gathered at chris's and we sat at your uh what's that table called in the japanese ku- the kotats or yeah. kotats perhaps. yeah yeah and that's it's like tape. a wooden table that like is probably yay high and you like sit on the ground like so like a foot and a half tall is yeah. what it seemed yeah. like you yeah, indicated yeah, yeah. so yeah thank you thank you we are a <laughs> podcast yeah it's like a they don't have visuals when i do this you know? yeah and no, but yeah those moments are super special mm-hmm. I, I i like that aspect of of life but also maybe uh in terms of things that i really like i know i talk a lot of crap about or not a lot of crap but 
the whole premise of Ike was like escaping my career. But there are some aspects I really like about my career, like my research. Like the thing I'm dedicating my like engineering part of my life to is brain computer interfaces. So it's taking、huh. reading measurements that are generated from the neurons in your brain, which is like known to pretty much control every part of your body, and like reading them, trying to make sense of them, and then using those signals like control like prosthetics or like computer cursors, and it allows like people that are like paraplegic to hopefully like. Like walk again using an exoskeleton, or、uh, maybe even like stimulate their their like ghost limbs or or something like that. I think that's like super fascinating. Even though I trash my uh, <laughs> uh, my PhD life sometimes, that's why it's like a it's kind of like a constant struggle for me because I love I I there's aspects of the things that I do of everything that I do that I love. That's why I'm doing them. It's just like there's I don't know if there's any perfect job where you're gonna be happy doing it. Like you know, or doing every part of it. So, yeah, yeah. But would I guess you could also say that same thing about your dreams, right? Like、mm -hmm. the things that you aspire for are going to have some really shitty parts too,、yeah. right? So you got.、Yeah. I mean, it 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 has it. it everything comes at a cost. There's、yep. nothing for free. So.、Mm -hmm. I just thought I'd throw in that extra bit because、no, everything comes at a cost. Yeah, there's like, like the stuff that you love. Music business and, and the, the, the loading, promo loading, and social media. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a lot. Like. To, like paralleling that with music, there's just like there's so much involved in that. That's why community and、uh, having everybody like help out and and do their own. Ideally, it'd be like if you have somebody like Jess, for example, who loves mixing and mastering. He loves that shit. I can say for myself, I do not like that shit. Right?、Mm. I love like writing new songs and like new melodies and performances and、mm. lyrics. That's like my thing. But he loves production. Right. So. Hey, if we make some money, like let's pay him, do the stuff that he loves. We're doing what we love, and then we can make a product that we like. So、mm -hmm. hopefully, if you have somebody who loves social media and video, you know, like let's collaborate.、Uh, but yeah, Chris and Clint, thank you for being on the show、yeah. and telling me all about your song EK and the Champagne Urbana music scene and your favorite non-musical things. And I appreciate you coming all the way out here. Some from Chicago, some from. Right here in Champagne, Urbana, baby.、Um, but it's it's a real pleasure to be able to talk with you today. Thank you, Sven. Thank, Thank you for all you, the、Sven. treats. Yeah, this was this is awesome. Yeah, like all these treats is made it feel like home. Yeah, when you first told us, like,、uh, I thought it was just going to be a question, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a hard time finding it. And then I come in, and I'm like, oh my god, there's yeah, so much PBJs. I,、yeah. I love this. Yeah, this is fantastic. Whole, whole ass meal. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Clint from Moonside, and this is Chris from Moonside, reminding you, great music, music is, is out there. there. Go, Go find, find it where you live, right now. Peace.
<laughs> By the way, can you guys hear me chew my boba, or is that like, <laughs> like should I should I cool it? That's a wrap. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> I squeezed my butt cheek so hard. <laughs> 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 <laughs>